because I used to like beat myself up constantly about everything, you know, whether it was something I said to someone, something I did, whether I was not living, you know, the the dream of the idealistic sort of lifestyle that I had pictured for myself or being sound like a proper A type. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of personality. And I just lie in bed and I toss and turn and I can't sleep at night. Like these things will just play over and over repetitively in my mind. And my partner would say to me, is the, um, is the energy that you are spending now going to achieve anything? Because if it's going to achieve something, you should sit here and you should worry and you should keep going over and over it in your head. But if the energy that you're spending is just a wasted emotion, then you need to move on and find the thing that is actually going to either solve the problem, allow you to move on for the problem, or make sure you just never make that mistake again. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, balancers, and welcome to episode 73 of The Balance Theory podcast. Fun fact, we've actually just crossed 100 episodes, so that's with all the Monday Muses combined and all the bonus content we've done throughout our time on The Balance Theory, which is super exciting and a big milestone for us all. So thank you to all of you for being a part of the journey. No matter at what point in our journey you've joined us, our community is constantly growing and thriving. And I have recently re-sparked our Facebook group. So for those of you who are not linked up or in the group, that's a place where we're really going to start to have a conversation outside of the podcast, start connecting all of you balances to one another. And I will also be heavily involved in that conversation. So you can speak to me and the community directly. All you have to do is search the balance theory on Facebook. There should be a Facebook page and there'll be a groups tab where you can request to join. There is a little introduction post where I have told you guys a little bit about myself. There's just three little questions and you can drop a comment and let everybody know a little bit about yourself. So thank you to those who have already introduced themselves and I look forward to meeting the rest of you in there. Today's guest is a conscious living leader and owner of Sydney's vegan restaurant Bodhi, which a lot of my friends have been to and rave about. So definitely a place to check out if you haven't already been there. I'm actually going at the end of this week, which I'm super excited about. But that wonderful leader and restaurateur is Heavenly. I just realized that sounds like heavenly, but two words, heavenly. I had such a wonderful time chatting to heaven about her experience inheriting the restaurant life from a couple generations down and really interestingly, her approach to balance with food. So when I've spoken about this concept on the podcast before, it's largely been with nutritionists or naturopaths, but having it from the perspective of a restaurant owner was really, really fascinating. We also chat about how heaven has landed on a bit of a balanced approach to a plant-based lifestyle and finding a regime that's worked for her. So embedded within this is a chat about going vegan or vegetarian and how to really do that in a sustainable fashion, but also tips on how to really not beat ourselves up when we are trying new things or finding that certain things are no longer working for us. Outside of the food space, we chat about finding the passion to succeed in life, identifying your drivers and your why, And lastly, Heaven also shares some moments in her life where she felt particularly lost, but what it taught her the most about resilience, which offers some really beautiful principles for us all to take away and apply to our own life. I loved every moment of our chat and I know you guys are going to as well. So I want you to pick two friends that you can pass this conversation on to so we can continue to share the love and spread the balance. That's it from me, guys. You can connect with Heaven more on Instagram. Her link is in the show notes below. But otherwise, let's dive straight in. 
All right, Balancers, today I'm joined by Heaven Lee. A warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. It's really lovely to have you on this morning and to have a nice chat. Hi, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Likewise. So just so our listeners get a little bit of a feel for who you are and what you do before we dive into the bulk of our convo today, can you just share a little bit about that? Oh gosh. Okay. So currently, <laughs> the short I version. A, the short version. I'm um, a third generation restaurateur. So I have a beautiful little restaurant called Bodhi, which is a plant based restaurant. It's been around for 33 years. Uh, I invest in other businesses. So I tend to focus on a lot of startup businesses as well. Uh, mother of two, very naughty but lovely children, um, <laughs> and a, a partner of one. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. And so restaurantee, can you just tell us a little bit about what that actually involves? For for us, um, my family have been in restaurants for generations. And so, you know, we would go and start restaurants. I never trained as a chef, but I love to cook. So food's always been a big passion of ours, especially coming from an Asian family. Um, but a restaurateur, you know, generally is somebody who focuses more on restaurants of a certain size and scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, we had about seven venues across Sydney and um, Bodhi being the biggest flagship one of all. So that's about a 300 capacity restaurant um, that generally operates seven days a week. So it's nonstop. Um, yeah. Or you might have a group of restaurants like what we had previously. Awesome. So you've always been in that work since you sort of finished school. You've just sort of fell into the family business. Yeah. I mean, well, in Asian families, particularly migrants, it is very common for your children to come and work in the store. You never get paid. So it's some kind of. You you get fed, I'm sure. You get fed, (laughs) but you don't get paid. You do your homework at the restaurant. Um, But it's a rural family affair. So, you know, almost everybody in my family had at some stage, if not worked in my grandfather's store, had worked with my mother and hers. And of course, that was natural for me to come into it as well. It wasn't something that I had wanted or planned to do long term, but it was something that was kind of in the blood. And having seen multiple generations work through the hospitality industry and different aspects of it, um, it gave me a really great overview and allowed me to decide on where my place within such a broad scope of industry was going to be. So, and yeah. restaurants were my thing, you know, something a little upmarket, something with beautiful cocktails that had to be a, a must. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's sort of the the line I ended up taking. No, that's beautiful. I, I like that concept. You kind of found your place within the the family niche, I suppose, rather than just trying to fit whatever exactly that was that they were doing, but still try to make it work culturally for you. So would you expect your, or maybe not expect is the right word. Do you foresee your, your kids being involved in the, in the business and carrying it on? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, inter- okay. So I've got a six year old and an eight year old and oh, both still my little. children, they're still little. Both my kids are like, we love the restaurant because their teachers know about it. Maybe their friends' parents know about it because it's quite well known. So they love that sense of community and connectedness. And they love coming in and feeling like little, I don't know, little little pieces of royalty where they get to order whatever they want <laughs> and it gets given to them sort of thing. So they love the business. But I don't know if I would want my kids to go through it because I, I would say having worn several hats in different industries, including hospitality, it's one of the toughest industries to do like it's Mm. it's physical it's mental it's emotional and if it's yours you put your heart in the line when you do a business like this Mm. um and it's tough like there are going to be years of sacrifice where you do not get to have 
fun. You do not get to join in family events. You miss out on birthdays, anniversaries, all of those things. You make huge sacrifices to get to a level of success and um, a place where you're comfortable enough to be able to have kids, take time off, you know, go on a holiday. So um, hospitality, if you are dedicated to it, is a real grind but you have to have that passion to want to yeah. do it well for it to succeed. Most people don't, unfortunately. Um, most people don't survive this industry after four or five years. I think the statistics are really, really quite abysmal sort of yeah. thing. So, you know, um, yeah, you it has to start with passion. Yeah, basically. and no and doubt I don't those... Know if, sorry, sorry, I was going to say, I don't know if that's their passion. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And I no doubt those stats might be even lower given the last couple of years we've had with the hospitality industry, which no doubt has been super challenging. But I couldn't agree more. And I guess when we talk about your motivator or your driver or your why, like having a monetary uh, driver, of course, is is you can have that in, in you know, pairing it with a, a true passion. But that on its own is not going to get you through all the hurdles and the challenges and the tough days and the missed weekends and all those things that come with it. So I think like I fully um, understand where you're coming from running, having run my own business, but I understand as well from hospitality because it is like weekends gone, weeknights gone. Um, It's a complete lifestyle shift, but I think that's a nice message for everybody listening to really just think about if there is something they're doing or wanting to do, it's really about connecting with that why. And I sometimes feel like for me, when I've tried to undergo this exercise in the past, it's like a bit of a um, arbitrary concept, you know, connecting with your why. But for me, I'm like, if I had to put in a sentence why I'm doing this thing or what it means to me, what does that look like? You know, and if you can't answer that, you've got to do a little bit of soul searching perhaps or uh, or, or go a, a bit beyond the dream of the, the nice car and the flexible lifestyle because that really comes at the end. I always say it's a bit ironic. We start our own business to have more time and money and for the first bit, that's the two things you just don't have at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it t- you know, it took me a good 15 years to get to a place where I was able to take a step back Mm. and have a family and do all of those nice things um and you know people sort of see the end results of what we have which is a an incredibly successful business and they think oh I want that I can do that and they see you outside of the workplace and think you still have a life and don't realize what you've had to go through Mm. you know the steps of that journey to get there um kind of thing and it is it's tough and it's rough but you know if you do get to the other side it's amazing Uh, it's so rewarding and the people that you meet on that journey you know they help feed that that soul along the way at least for me they have anyway yeah absolutely and this kind of talks to another point which when we speak about balance on on the podcast it's not only we're not only trying to I guess redefine the way people look at balance so moving away from like a traditional work-life balance formula but it's also this idea that it's a shifting concept so whatever that looks like to you today so for me for example I don't have kids yet so what I identify with as balance right now is going to change the second I have kids and I know that not having had my own yet I know that's the case so it's even the same when you're uh, pushing yourself to do a business like yes at the beginning there's going to be that grind and you're going to have to make sacrifices but ultimately if you're passionate about it it almost doesn't feel that way sometimes it just feels like you're just doing something you love and you're growing something and you just get so lost in that momentum of things just evolving um and so I think it's what I was going to say I think it's what you said earlier which is that passion that that's what gets you through those darker moments when you're doing your business kind of yeah absolutely oh, I remember why I'm doing this. It's because I love it. 
Exactly, exactly. It kind of underpins everything you do. But I guess the reason I started to relook at balance is I was actually at uni and I was doing my business on the side. And my mum would say to me, you know, you just need to chill out. You just need to slow down. But for me, I, I kind of felt like when I had time, I wanted to work on my podcast. I wanted to do my e-commerce business. Like I didn't feel like I was missing out. I still had time for my friends and my family. But, you know, the majority of time was spent in that fulfillment area, which encompassed my work and my hobbies. And, and that's just sort of what my balance looked like at the time because that's where I was at in life so I just wanted to use your story as a bit of a reflection as well to be like hey things do get tough and you do have to hustle and grind and put your head down but sometimes if that's where your heart is that's okay and you don't need to feel guilty that you know you're not socializing every night or if your life doesn't look the same as it was five years ago or then when you have kids and it changes like that's where we need to get to I think with balance we need to get to that point where it's flexible enough that it grows with our changing life if you know what I mean yeah, I mean, it's not black and white, it, it, you know, every phase that I think I've gone through, you know, from when we when I started this particular last venue, which was 22 years ago, it was a five year plan, everything was done on five year increments. And even having kids like my partner and I sat down and said, Okay, we know for the next five years, we've got business, we've got kids, we are going to literally we're not hanging out. We're not seeing friends. We're not going out for dinners. We're not, we are focused on this one area and we will get through this. And once we get through this, it'll be a new set of, you know, um, things that will open up for us to kind of tackle and maybe life can take a, a little bit more of a chill pill kind of thing. Yeah. So, we, but we're always adjusting it. It's never been a very black Perfect. and white yeah. thing. So we check in, you know, how's it going? Are we reassessing where we're at? Are we hitting those goals? is there satisfaction in hitting those goals? And then also having the conversation with each other to remind each other that we set those goals. You know, in those moments where we're like, oh my gosh, I wish I had more time to go and, and, and be social. And, you know, Chris will sort of say to me, yeah, but you remember we said we were gonna like knuckle down and get through this. We wanted to get our home together. We wanted to have kids. We wanted to have a holiday home, all of those kind of things. And you go, okay, all right, those were our goals. And we just keep working on that. So it's about being very communicative and, um, and clear about what it is that you want and going back and revising it when needed and and adjusting it for the future yeah. as well. Yeah, I love all of that. I do something very, very similar and I couldn't agree more like having a partner that almost acts like an accountability buddy or almost just even a little reminder. So when you stray away from that why or your mission or your purpose, they're in your corner saying, hey, this is why you're, you're going to keep going or, you know, it really helps you toe the line, I suppose. Um, but I'd love to know a little bit more about your spiritual journey, your upbringing, I guess everything that has formed the foundation on, on which we see today. Could you share a little bit about, I guess, your story from, I know you've had some interesting um, different moments in life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, um, I came from a, a, a broken home for me anyway. Um, I had an absent father. I had a parent that had uh, pretty rough mental health issues. So I, I never really had a huge amount of stability when I was very, very little. Um, and my mother sort of joined, I guess in the, I'd like to put it this way. My mother was a bit of a spiritual seeker. She was looking for something. She was obviously not incredibly happy with where things were at in her life. And, you know, and that journey, that spiritual journey for her took a lot of twists and turns. Um, a lot of people, when they're in that state of looking for something um, outside of themselves or even within themselves in the case for some with spirituality uh, it's quite easy to get caught up with the wrong kind of people and for my mum she got involved in a religious group that were a, 
I guess we would call it today like quite cult-like um, and she got very heavily involved in them and I was quite young so I think I was about 11 or 12 at the time so I of course you know being her kid kind of got dragged into that as well and I sort of saw all sorts of interesting things during that period there was some wonderful moments and some beautiful people within that group but there was also some poor leadership there was some sexual abuse of young girls there was a lot going on at that time and I think for me I had to escape what was going on there because it became quite toxic Mm -hmm. and at the time I mean we're going back to like the 80s you know this sort of thing wasn't spoken about as much there wasn't as much knowledge and information for young people out there you didn't have people like grace in the media talking about child sexual abuse and all of that sort of stuff so um it was a very confusing time and like many other survivors you turn to other things to um soothe you know what I mean to kind Mm -hmm. of escape and to soothe the sort of the things that you're the demons that you're having to kind of live with so you know, I've kind of been through a very up and down journey with spirituality. Mm-hmm. Part of that had veganism involved in there as well, although that was separate from this particular group that we were in, involved in. I mean, we went up to Byron Bay. We were living like hippies at one stage down by a river in a caravan. You know, we, we've kind of done it all. Um, and then there was a journey to kind of come back out into sort of normal society and then business and and all of that sort of stuff. So you ask the questions. I'm, it's, it's a big, broad topic. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, I think I remember reading that you were you were saying that at each at each kind of turning point, because obviously, as you just shared, you had a lot of different moments in life. At each turning point, you sort of felt lost. What was it for you? Did you? I know it's a bit hard to to maybe pinpoint exactly, but did did you find something specific? that helped you being resilient or bounce back or really find yourself? Cause I think, and I mean, I know your story particularly is um, it's, it's quite extreme in terms of the ups and downs that, that you've had. And I'm sure there are people listening who may have had a similar or like experience. Um, but I think it's interesting to reflect upon because I think we do go through natural changes in life where we do feel lost. And then we do need to find ourselves again, whether it is like blatantly obvious, like living, as a, as a traveling gypsy or whether it is just going through a bit of an emotional change in life. So I'm just sort of curious how you approach those moments, even recently, you know, becoming a mother, that's, that's a bit of a change too. Yeah, I think it, um, there definitely are things now that I'm able to look back in hindsight that I think have resonated for me on this journey. Probably the first thing is I would like to think of myself as incredibly lucky Um, despite everything that I've been through and and what we've gone through as a family and individually, because I'm a bit of a believer that what you put out there karmically, energetically, is kind of what you get back. And I have been really blessed in the sense that in my darkest hours, and not always, but in most of my darkest hours, when I've questioned myself or I've had self-doubt, there is somebody or something that happens that makes me take stock and take a minute. So an example would be, I was going through a phase when I first opened my restaurant where I was like putting my hands up in the air saying, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm done. I was emotionally drained. Uh, My family were having financial problems. We were facing the bankruptcy at the time. And this is going back 20 years ago. 
and I met a guy who um, his name was Jeff and he was an ex-restaurateur as well and he told me his story and his story was how he had gone from a restaurateur to living on the streets um, as a, a rough sleeper and then how he now had a big farm and he was feeding homeless people all across Sydney. And when he shared his journey with me, I was just like, oh, wow, my problems are so small compared to where his were at the time. I think his wife had a tumor, she had brain cancer. So there was a lot going on in his life. And he was so positive and so wonderful and so giving and so generous that I, it just made me just snap out of it for a second, go, what am I doing sitting here wallowing in my misery? I can do this. I can pick myself up and I can, I can move from this. So I think I've always had these moments in life where somebody has crossed my path and I've just been open to receiving that message of whatever it is that I'm meant to hear at that time. So that's one thing that I think has got me through and helped me with resilience. I think the second thing for me is finding that, that key combination of what it is that helps me succeed. So I think everybody's is different. So yours would probably be very different from mine about what boxes I need to tick to find clarity. For me, it's journaling. That's one massive piece that um, is essential. Uh, the second is some kind of yoga meditation practice and routine is really, really important. And I encourage anybody, if you have um, the opportunity or if you are in that position, self-care is one of the most important things that you can do for yourself. And for me, a yearly retreat where I you know, do not have anybody disturbing me. I don't have kids running around. I'm able to really focus on my practice, focus on my journaling, center myself and cut out all the noise of what's mm. happening around me and look inward, you know, and listen to that inner dialogue, get it all on paper, listen to it again, get it on paper again and work out where I'm at, what I'm feeling, what do I want and how to move forward in the next steps. So those kind of things have been... I know it probably sounds a bit woohoo to some people, but being open to, you know, other people, the signs of what is out there and what you need to hear, and then maybe finding your own practice and being very routine about it. So get up in the morning, spend your 30 minutes or one hour or whatever it is that you need to do to center yourself for that day. And then just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And if you fall yeah. off that wagon, because we all do, we all say we're going to do something for New Year's, you know, resolutions. Resolution. And then we fall off, <laughs> you know, we fall off that wagon. If you do fall off that wagon, don't worry about it, you know, but when you have those moments of I'm in a dark place or I'm, I'm struggling with my business or my relationships or whatever it is, then go back to that formula that worked for you last time. Um, and the reason I'll, I'll just say one last thing that I really love that journaling process is because you can look back in 12 months time and see what you were going through, where you were at, what your goals were and whether you met those goals. And you'll often be surprised by how many boxes you will have ticked without even mm. realizing it over 12 months because you are looking back at, you know, facts kind of thing as opposed to using your memory to remember what, what was it like a year ago or two years ago. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. The thing I'm, I'm getting the most, other than obviously being open, which is the one word I had in my head when you were explaining the story with, with that gentleman, Jeff, that you met, the big thing I'm getting from that is really knowing what your non-negotiables are. So if your non-negotiable is meditation or journaling or having a routine, whatever it is, 
if you don't know what those are, it's very hard to have that baseline that you know you need to come back to. Because I personally have found like exactly what you just said. In There are moments where you fall off the horse. You know, you, you kind of go astray and you feel like your life just has no balance in it. And you just feel so disconnected from yourself. And you really need to center yourself. If you don't know what those things are to get you back, it's you often just feel more lost in a way. And I've experienced that in moments where that baseline for me has changed. So for example, coming out of COVID, I found things I used to do or things I found that were once soothing changed because I changed during during you know lockdown period. I, I became more inward and I connected with myself in a different way so that by the time we came out of it, certain things did not align with me. But that's fine because we definitely have those turning points where those non-negotiable daily things change. But I think having a general awareness of what that looks like um, is really important. Like for me, I've always been a routine person, exactly the same as um, you from what I'm hearing. And meditation is a newer practice, but one that's like incredible. Like I, I really love my time meditating and I can really feel the difference when I don't do it. So I think I couldn't agree more, especially if you're listening now and you're going through something where you feel misaligned. I think that's just like the biggest way I can describe it. You just feel off, like you're just disconnected from what you want to be doing. You're on autopilot. You're just, you know, the days are going past and you're not even counting the hours and it's just flashing before your eyes. That's when you need to come back to center. Um, so I, I love that you've shared that. And I've actually put this as the last question, but just while we're on the topic, um, what are some of your daily non-negotiables outside of uh, journaling, which I know you've just shared a little bit about? I think that's it for me. It's it's like what we've been talking about is being those anchors, you know, that work for you. And, and like you said, it can change, right? You mm. can change those anchors over time, depending on what you've been going through. But coming back to those on a regular basis, I think with meditation and yoga, the great thing about any of these practices is there are so many different variations of them. You know what I mean? Like uh, there's no one way. There's no one way, you know, you've got tantric yoga, tantric meditation, you, you know, you've got so many different little sub, um, sub clauses of, or, you know, of, of yoga categories of it. <laughs> categories, sorry. Thank you. I was trying to find the word subcategories of, of these practices. And the great thing is you can go to so many different people. So if I ever find that I am stagnant in a practice, I start looking for somebody else to influence my practice a little bit. Um, not maybe, maybe influence is the wrong word to say, but more um, to just be open to how, what other people go through with their practice to see if that opens any doors for me. But mm. I still, I still sit within that practice space. Um, but I might look for a new teacher or somebody else that's also into the practice and talk to them about what their journey is. And then maybe go through some experiences doing sort of group meditation practices and stuff like that as well. For me, those have been my non-negotiables. Um, you know, I'm very lucky I've got a partner who I can sort of rely on for, for quite a few things and bounce business stuff off. But when you don't have that, because there was a time when I didn't have that support structure, um, you have to rely on yourself. And, and remember, it's okay to be self-sufficient on these things. And that anybody that you add into your life becomes a bonus as opposed to a, um, how do we Burn put it. this? A burden or even do you remember there's that movie where Tom Cruise says you know you complete me do you remember, do you remember there was that movie? look I'm actually the worst with movies whenever people ah. quote movies on this on this podcast I'm like oh god here we go another oh, no. movie I don't know so there's, this, 
there's this line in this movie where he says, you complete me. And I've always said, I've never understood that because I don't think anybody else should ever complete us. I feel like we should always complete ourselves and that anybody mm-hmm. else that comes into our life should be an added bonus yep. um, and should complement us on our journey and help us to grow and help us to learn. But we shouldn't rely on any one person for that sort of thing. Yep. So whether you're with somebody, whether you're, you're, you're single, um, it shouldn't matter. You should find that practice within yourself in whichever way ticks those boxes for you to help you build that resilience um yeah. and to find that that center and calmness right absolutely and and that not only applies to romantic relationships it's friendships it's anybody you're spending time with colleagues you choose to align with in the workplace um you know they you don't the way i look at it is a really similar lens it's like you don't need to be in a relationship if you're choosing to be in one it should only add value to your life you know that concept of it being a bonus so i yeah i couldn't agree more with everything you've just said there and and some similar non-negotiables for me as well um but i'd love to ask you a couple questions more in the food space because i know you're a foodie being a restauranteur and you know being a you said you love to cook as well so i'm curious whenever i ask this question or whenever i've asked this question it's been to like naturopaths or nutritionists I'm really curious and excited to hear your response to this actually and that's what does balance with food or like our food relationship mean to you um I have a very complicated relationship when it comes to food uh particularly because my when my mother became vegan you know there was a lot of pressure on us to follow suit um was that and when you were a bit older or when you were younger? No, this is when I was a teenager. So I never ate a lot of meat as a child. I think I can remember. I never ate seafood. I think I would eat a little bit of chicken. Asian family, you would have a bit of barbecue pork, but that was it. I was an incredibly fussy eater. So I wouldn't eat a lot of meat. So it was very easy for me to transition into a plant-based lifestyle. Um, but of course, when my mom came home and went, that's it, we're going vegan or vegetarian, she did it when I was in that teenage rebellion sort of stage. And I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. So I ended up creating like having this very sort of unhealthy relationship with food from a, a young age. So I love that we're talking about balance when it comes to food. I tend to either be very, um, same Pendulums. food over and over yeah over and over again the same kind of comfort food which is sits in the asian sort of space or i tend to be extremely sort of um experimental with food so i'm constantly trying to find that balance as well and then of course once i met my partner and when i had kids i had to reassess my relationship with food because not everybody else was going to be plant-based like I was at the time or you know I was vegan at the time when I met my partner and and when I had kids as well um and so I had to sort of start considering other people's dietary uh, needs (laughs) dietary needs and what they what they're willing to live on and and so forth and my partner was staunchly no I'm not going to be vegan which was quite tough Um, but when it comes to balance with food I think Look, it's it's the same stuff that every nutritionist would always tell you. Whole foods, as natural as possible, um, as little preservatives as possible, as little pre-packaged food as possible, where you can grow your own. If you don't live in an apartment, grow your own or go and get a veggie pot and grow it on your balcony, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, be balanced in everything that you do. And a lot of people that go into veganism or vegetarianism tend to be very out of balance when they first come into that space. It's like um, that extreme look, approach, right? Yeah. They get a lot of them will do very heavily processed food, a lot of faux meats, all of that kind of stuff. And and think, well, I'm I'm doing veganism or vegetarianism, and therefore, you know, it must be it's okay. healthy. Yeah. 
it's not, you know, there's plenty of food that is not healthy within the vegan and vegetarian space. So you still have to be incredibly balanced and try and get as much nutrition as possible from as many different food sources as possible in as natural a way as possible. So that, that to me is, you know, balanced food. Um, And then you also have to think about your relationship with food as well. So that has to have a very balanced approach, not just what you eat, how you view it. Absolutely. And um, I want to go back to what you said at the start, like how you you were saying your complicated relationship, you're either very simple or you're always experimenting. And I love that you started on that rather than the actual ins and outs of, you know, whole foods and veggies and whatnot, because I think food, it's not just this thing that gives us energy and it's like, it's either healthy or, you know, looking at actual food for what it is, but it's also a soul thing for me. Like culturally food is a big part. I mean, from an Italian background. So food has a big, big role to play. Um, and, and I think if we are talking about balance with food and just looking at its physical properties, you know, what, what category it falls into and whatnot, you really fall short of all the other aspects. And you did touch on the food relationship as well, which is then going into emotionally, how do you feel when you eat that thing? It's not just, it's not just, you know, a soul thing or a physical thing, it's emotional as well. So it is complicated. It's, it's not a, a black and white thing and it changes from day to day, you know, especially for women going through our menstrual cycles as well, different moments in the month, you'll have a different relationship with food. But I think, I think deep down, like that emotional connection really does underpin then the physical connection with the food. Cause I've gone through phases where I've done the extreme dieting. Everyone listening is probably throwing their hands up because I've told the story a million times, but I have done that, you know, extreme calorie counting regime. And, um, it, it got to a point where, you know, I would physically just not be able to have that relationship with food because I was just so on that extreme side. But um, speaking of going into things like veganism, vegetarian, and in light of just discussing that people can easily go onto that extremism side, for anybody listening who may want to try it or has been thinking about it for quite some time, what do you think is a sustainable way to ease into um, changing your diet or skewing your diet towards that without, I guess, falling into the trap of going too much over the top? Yes, I I tend to find you know, after this many years, you, you meet so many people through the restaurant and you hear so many journeys. And I tend to find that there's two type, type of groups when it comes to food. Um, they tend to come in and either have just, that's it, I've cut all meat, all dairy, everything out of my, my diet and I'm going for this hell for leather. And then you've got the others that tend to be, well, I started with this and then I moved to that. And, you know, maybe I started with just more vegetables, like a meat-free Monday. Eventually I moved to becoming a pescatarian. Then I became, you know, pure vegetarian. Then I became pure vegan. And then I've gone into a raw food diet. So there's either people to do this sort of journey, um, this sort of, you know, snaky kind of journey or the experimental sort of journey, or those people that just, you know, cut everything out. Um, I have found that, the people that allow the journey to unfold sometimes have better success than those that tend to go for the extreme because it's more sustainable long-term. It's about making small changes Mm -hmm. as opposed to suddenly cutting everything out. Now, it's different if you have a background in nutrition and you want to cut out a lot of things from your diet because you have a better understanding of where you need to supplement and replace things. But I think for your, you know, your lay person who's just like going to a supermarket and, and shopping and buying what they think tastes good sort of thing, um, it's a little bit harder. I like the slower journey so long as you are um, forgiving of yourself. If you feel like the goal is for you to reach veganism or raw foodism, 
um, and you fall off that wagon on that journey, don't beat yourself up is all I say. You know, just keep coming back to it if that's what you want to do. But I think that it's incredibly important for anybody wanting to explore this lifestyle um, because it's the most common question I get asked is where do you get X, Y, and Z from in your nutrition? Get to know your health really, really well and listen to your body. Because just because you want to be a vegetarian or a vegan doesn't necessarily always mean that it's the best mm. dietary plan for your body. You yeah. might process iron differently. I have a, my son, you know, he cannot process iron properly from leafy greens. Like we have tried time and time again, and he really, really struggles. Um, and But my daughter, she's fine. So you really have to listen to each person's individual health needs. Go and get your blood work done. Go and see where your vitamin levels are at. Ask your doctor to do a full workup of you. Um, so you have baselines that you can go back to every six months and have a look at and go, oh, I'm B12 deficient. I'm vitamin D deficient. Okay, I need to kind of get my iron levels back up again. And that's kind of, I think, a healthier way of coming into this lifestyle and still yeah. ticking those ethical boxes of being vegetarian or vegan. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's really that approach of there's no one size fits all. And the beauty of it is like, when you're younger or when you're older, that could also change from person to person, uh, depending on, you know, where your vitamin levels are at and whatnot. So having a practice of being in tune, not only with yourself, but, you know, going and getting that validation from a GP or another health professional, I think is very, very important. Um, and a, a great call out for anybody thinking of diving into that space. Now I know with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone should do, you know, whether you're a meat eater or a vegetarian. Go, you oh know. yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. 100%, especially if you're feeling like you're off with gut issues or just in general, just want to know where you're sitting. I think it's a good sense check to just make sure that, you know, if you're feeling great, that everything is also great. It's all about being proactive rather than you don't want to have to be reactive when, you know, it's too far. Or you've got a gut inflammation or whatever the case is. You'd rather just bite it before you <laughs> make the big change. But um, I know you talk about how things don't always necessarily fit into a neat label. So whilst we can say someone's a, a plant eater or a vegan or vegetarian, it's we're always a work in progress. So I'm curious to know where do you see yourself in the in, in that you know in that space in, at the moment? Where do you fall? In in the, fall? <laughs> in, in um, the well, well, I want to I don't want to um, necessarily say label yourself, but just more where are you at on your journey? Um. Okay. So my favorite type of eating would probably be raw food to be honest that's when I have always felt my best um but I find it quite hard to sustain that and like you know I always kick myself because I'm always like oh I want to go back to doing that raw food again um that's my favorite kind of place to be in however vegetarianism veganism and even plant-based it's it's become quite political the labels that people are using to describe themselves um, I would probably say I would follow a vegan food practice. I do not have everything vegan in my life, although I try to purchase everything vegan where I can. I don't think it's possible for anyone to be 100% vegan today, um, but I tend to eat vegan food. Um, occasionally, I will add a little bit of dairy in there but it, I have to know where it comes from so for us we have chickens so we would only take eggs from our own pet chickens kind of thing that my mom has up at her house so there's little things like that um and there's a little bit of honey that we would take but we have hives and we would you know, we don't break open the hives and do it the traditional hive way so um but that would probably come up if once once or twice a year I think for me so it's quite hard for me to 
you know, say I'm any one thing, I would say majority 99% of the time I would be following a vegan practice. And then there's that 1% or 2% of the time where I, I might add something into my diet if I feel like I'm lacking or I'm needing. And I often will find that my body starts really craving something. Yes, I feel like that too. It, even after this many years of not eating meat, I will suddenly go, oh my gosh, I could murder a burger or a steak. And I'm like, why am I even thinking of this? Maybe you need um, some iron. <laughs> It's usually, and I will, I'll go and get a blood test and check. And it will usually be because I'm, I'm either low in B12 and iron combined and vitamin mm-hmm. D, but that tends to be the same thing each time for me. So that is that whole being in tune and listening to your body. Um, I think today it's good not to have a label, which is why I've probably adopted more of the plant-based label. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the vegan label has become too pure in a sense and there's too much judgment that's attached to that label if you don't follow 100% pure vegan yeah. life or 100% pure vegan diet then you will often get a lot of criticism for that um, yeah. and so I've never wanted to hold that label and for older people who have maybe uh, been around that whole new age vegetarian vegan thing it's still a bit of a ugh, vegan label so I, I think plant-based has become a much more gentle label that encompasses more things mm. um, basically at the end of the day so that I'd probably say I call myself plant-based for that reason Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll probably get criticized for for the fact that you know I will have on occasion you know once a year a little bit of dairy products um, or honey but um, it is what it is and I'm still a work in progress and still learning and on my own food journey as well and trying to find balance with all of that whilst listening to myself and what my body needs. Well, a really simple way to to explore that is, you know, you're always on that journey. You're never going to get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm like, you know, I've worked it out and this is where I'm at. Like life is, you know, that snake you were explaining before. It's that sustainable journey of just following, okay, what do I need now? What do I need tomorrow? And just going along the journey of life. I think we sometimes get so caught up in, you could relate this to business as well. We get so caught up on hitting that next um, goalpost or milestone, but Anybody listening who's done that before, the second you do that, yeah, it's great. It's exciting. And then you just look ahead for the next one. You know, we're always moving in between um, milestones in life. And so I think like a really nice way to to express what you're talking about is a plant-based lifestyle, I think is a nice way to even talk about it. Because then that informs all your decisions from your skincare to the apparel you buy and, you know, potentially other bits and pieces in your life. It's not just the food. So which is why I like how you talked about it more from that lifestyle point of view. And I think it's a nice way to to move away from the labels that I do think box you in and, and make you feel guilty more than do what they're supposed to do. No, it's, and you know, it is, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of judgment from different groups for different reasons, you know, and I, I think we need to kind of all stop doing that and just understand that no one is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we're all on a journey um, and it's, it's just about supporting people. I mean, there are some things that were non-negotiable from, for me when it came to both my personal lifestyle and the business. For me, the non-negotiable was I never wanted to have a business that harmed any living creature in its success. So that was always going to be, no matter what we did at Bodhi, it was going to be 100% pure vegan business and where we could tick eco boxes with sustainable materials or um, you know, not using as much plastics in the business and all of that kind of stuff, that's what we would do. I think in my personal life, I thrive to be as strict as Bodhi is. Sometimes I struggle, but I definitely try um, and recorrect myself, you know, whenever I feel like, oh, you know, maybe I've kind of strayed a little bit from that 
idealistic sort of spot that I want to be in. Um, but I have to constantly be forgiving. I have to constantly internally dialogue to myself. It's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay to get back on it or it's okay to have a little slip here and there or because there is a lot of guilt that comes with mm. not being perfect, if that makes yeah. sense. No, no, 100%. And, and it's just about taking that reflective pause and asking yourself, well, how can I do better the next day? It's even like, if, like, because when we talk about balances, your health, your relationships, and your fulfillment. So every time we're talking about something like this, I just see it like, you know, you can replicate what we're talking about across all the other areas. And it's the same as if you had a fight with your partner. It's like, there's no point sitting there feeling guilty. You can learn from that experience and move on and do better the next day. Or you can have a stuff up at work. You can learn from that experience and do better. You know, it's, Guilt serves only so much. It, it, so, it serves to a point where you get up and take action, I think. But if you're reveling in it, become quite, it can become quite toxic. And then it's almost about avoiding the guilt rather than doing the thing. So I think um, it's really important to just give yourself that grace and that forgiveness to just have those moments of pause and just ask yourself how you can do better. For me you- personally, I would never want to get to a point where I feel like I have no more room to grow. You know, I feel like that's life and you're always wanting to learn and grow. And so I think if you stuff up, that's just an opportunity to to learn and grow as long as you take positive action. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. My partner always said this one because I used to like beat myself up constantly about everything, you know, whether it was something I said to someone, something I did, whether I was not living, you know, the the dream of the idealistic sort of lifestyle that I had pictured for myself or being sound like a proper A type. Yeah, so that kind of personality. And I lie in bed and I toss and turn and I can't sleep at night. Like these things will just play over and over repetitively in my mind. And my partner would say to me, is the, um, is the energy that you are spending now going to achieve anything? Because if it's going to achieve something, you should sit here and you should worry and you should keep going over and over it in your head. But if the energy that you're spending is just a wasted emotion, then you need to move on and find the thing that is actually going to either solve the problem, allow you to move on for the problem, or make sure you just never make that mistake again. And that kind of really sort of checked me. And I was like, you're right. I'm sitting here beating myself up. What I really need to do is call the person, take ownership for the situation, go, look, I'm really sorry if I said something out of turn or whatever it was, um, and then just move on and go, Mm -hmm. you know what, make sure I won't do that one again. So I love that he's very black and white about this stuff because (laughs) I'm a much more emotional creature than he is. Um, And so, yeah, I definitely use him as a touchstone to to check myself (laughs) on a regular basis. No, that's awesome. That's like, um, if it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes on it, that's saying. So similar sort of um, approach. So I love that. If you are a better person, you know, don't spend time worrying about it too much. Check yourself once, move on. Just keep the momentum of moving forward is more important sort of thing. So, and just don't make the same mistake twice. <laughs> Absolutely. Because then, then you've got a lesson to learn. <laughs> yes. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, then it's like, okay, now I need to, I need to understand, you know, there's maybe something a bit bigger and deeper going on here. Absolutely. Well, I think that is a lovely place to leave our conversation, although I'm sure you and I could chat on for hours and hours. I want to firstly thank you so much for taking some time out of your morning to speak with me and share your story with all our listeners today. And um, for people listening who would love to come and check out the restaurant, I know you're in Sydney, but is it? Um, can you share where it's based and I guess ways they can follow along the journey as well, either your personal or business? Yeah, so the, the physical restaurant itself is um, in Cook and Phillip Park, which is under St. Mary's Cathedral next to Hyde Park in the city. So you can 
can look us up. It's Bodhi, B-D-H-I restaurant. Um, you can follow us on our website. You know, we have EDMs that go out once a month with recipes and tips and tricks on veganism. So you can always follow us through that. You can also follow me on my own website. So heavenly, H-E-A-V-E-N-L-E-I-G-H um, dot com dot A-U. And I like to sort of share a bit more of the personal stuff, the journey stuff, the, the more intimate family recipes and so forth, rather than the restaurant tips and tricks. So you can follow us on that. Of course, we're on social media and everything as well. But there are so many ways to get to us <laughs> and we're very responsive and we love connecting with a wider community of people. So... Amazing. Well, I will definitely pop links to both the website and to the socials below. But thank you so much for your time. And um, I'll definitely be popping in to check out the restaurant soon. Thank you. And good luck on your journey that you've got coming up too. So, thank so you. lovely to have met you. Likewise. Thanks so much.